0: Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We got a real cool guest sitting on our couch today. I'm so happy you're here. This is going to be a good day.
1: Yeah. Hey, everyone. It's Amanda, and we're hanging out with Allison today, and it actually Ooh. just hit me right this second that for all the times you've been in here, I don't think we've ever actually recorded a podcast. I don't think so. No. You've done video content for us. Yep. some yeah some educational videos for massage therapy media when mark was toying with the idea before we even started that platform you came in and did a video and i was your body yeah, that's you worked true. That's on true. me yeah during covid we were just putting stuff out we were just putting out content and we asked like if there's any therapists that want to like come and record some videos for us to put yeah. out for free to the world like, and you are, did one people
0: yeah. are home doing nothing let's uh let's yeah. give them something to watch instead of uh Ricky Lake no not ricky i guess ricky lake's not even i don't even know what's on what the air. year
1: are you in ricky I lake know.
0: i don't know <laughs> i don't know ricky
1: lake's not a thing anymore i don't think so. What about, I don't, what
0: I don't about think, Phil Donahue? Yeah, I don't think
1: so. I think those people are long really? gone. Really? I think
0: Oprah know. owes everything to Mr. Donahue,
1: actually. Well, that's for Oprah and Phil Donahue well. to take up. But anyway, yeah. So I don't know how we've never actually recorded an episode with you. Because she's smart. She had no interest
0: in it. <laughs> I don't want to fucking do
1: that. Well, now she does want to be here. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, Allison, dropped will... a couple of scores
0: on the IQ. Did you? <laughs>
1: Apparently, no. No, she's here for important reasons. Yes, yes, uh, yes. We talked before um, we started recording when you were out there setting up, and um, Allison recently listened to an awesome episode we did with Janet Penny, who mm. was talking about oncology massage. Mm-hmm. And Allison has just had the experience of going through cancer treatment, and we were just. of talking off mic about the diagnosis and how she came to find out what was going on. And I said, well, is that why you're here? And she said, yeah, you guys want to hear from a Bear, would you say barely surviving cancer survivor <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes i mean barely survive you look fantastic mm-hmm. this this woman rocks the buzz cut like no one i've ever seen <laughs> so not not that you did that intentionally but i mean that part really worked out for you um, i always appreciate when people want to come in here and talk about really personal things cuz i know it can be hard to discuss, but anything you don't want to talk about, we don't have to. But Mm -hmm. Allison kind of wanted to give some insight into everything she's been through in the last couple of years and where she's heading now. And I think this will be good for anyone who was interested in that episode with Janet, learning about dealing with patients who are either dealing with a diagnosis or have Gone through treatment or surgery or still going through treatment. Um, so, why don't you introduce yourself for anyone who doesn't know who you are? A little bit of your background, how you got into massage, what type of practice you have.
2: How I got into massage, that's uh, a long journey, but uh, um, I was a graphic designer and went on mat leave, but I was a stay at home mom for 14 years and did not want to go back to graphic design. It was too stressful and looked. I, I don't even know how many times I wrote to Sutherland Chan, this is pre-internet, to get their course syllabus to see if they had part-time or mm. whatever, and they didn't, they never did. And um, They never responded? or No, no, they, no, they responded. <laughs> yeah, like, no, they sorry, disgusted. they didn't have yeah. the, the part-time. Gotcha. And full-time was too expensive at the time for me, and I wasn't going to spend that much time away from my kids. So um, my husband and I separated, and my best friend said, Now's the time, and uh, I'm like, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I applied. I um I had to get OSAP, and uh and I went to massage school for two years, and that's where I met Lori, Julio. <laughs> oh, uh, right. She was one of my massage therapy instructors, and um we've remained friends. We're quite good friends, and um and Then I started working in a chiropractic clinic and another chiropractic clinic, and I worked from home, and then I opened up my own studio, and then just over a year ago, or over two years, just about two years ago now, I uh, closed my studio, bought a house. And moved into the house and moved my practice into my home. Mm. And uh, I was there for not even a year when I got the diagnosis. So it was kind of like, huh, am I going to have to sell my house now? <laughs> I don't know what, what now. Mm. <laughs> um, but thankfully, I have uh, friends and family, uh, you know, bank of, dad <laughs> to, bank of dad to help me out. And uh, I've had great care from my friends and family. They've been so supportive and so like, they've taken really good care of me. And so now I'm I'm on CPP disability as well, and I'll be contacting them in the very near future because I do want to start to go back to work. Um, I'm still technically in treatment, and uh, it's, um, I have to take some drugs for a couple of years, and I'm just waiting to see if they have the horrible side effects that they said that could happen. So far so, good. so far so good. 3 days in. <laughs> Why
0: do you want to go back to work?
2: Why do I want to go back to work? Yeah. Cuz I'm sitting at home and each day it's
1: do I twiddle my thumbs forward mm. or backwards?
0: Combinations always good.
1: Yeah, right?
0: <laughs> 3 4 2 back.
1: We are also talking about a woman. Like I said, we just put it out into the universe. Anybody want to come in and record some video to give away for free because people are sitting at home. And Allison was one of the first people to jump at it and say, sure, I'll come in and do something. She didn't even have a plan. She just came in here and she's like, I don't know, let's do something with like your subscap or so. I don't yeah. even. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, it just hit me you also taught at one of our free networking events when Con Ed used to do those in-person networking Mm -hmm. events all the time. So I mean... So you like it that much. This is a
2: person who likes to work and do
1: things. Yeah, I
2: like to... I'm not one
1: to sit around. I've watched
2: so much TV. I've watched more TV in the past six months than I've... It's my dream. In my whole life. Oh, no, it's... First of all, it was like, you know, we'll just lay on the couch and watch TV. And it's like, it's daytime. I'm not going to watch TV in the day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You two are not the same. (laughs) I remember during COVID people saying, I finished Netflix. I'm like, oh my God, you can finish Netflix? Wow. That's a lot of TV.
2: I'm on the sourdough bread bandwagon (laughs) again. (laughs) Does
1: it feel like lockdown all over again? kind of does. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Although this time you can actually have friends and family over. Yes. So let's let's rewind a little bit about, um, you know, you said you were practicing from home, then you opened a studio, then back to home. Um, so the patients that you were seeing before we get into the whole diagnosis and everything mm-hmm. happened, the people that were seeing you in your home, like you had a busy practice, yes?
2: Yes, and it was abruptly shut down because I, just before my diagnosis, I was in quite a bit of pain, but mm-hmm. I was working through it. And then when I got the diagnosis, like my mental I just like, nope.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think that there's many people that could work through that. That's a lot to process and yeah. figure out what you're going to do. Um, so how did you, how did you break the news to all of your clients and are they all just anxiously waiting for you to come back or have you heard from anybody?
2: I've heard from a lot of my clients. They yeah. check in with me and, you know, to see how I am. I've sent out some emails. It it got a little tiresome. In the beginning when, you know, between friends and family and clients, I'd get like 10 people a day either calling me yeah. or messaging me and just saying the same thing over and over and over again. So it's like, okay, I'll just whip out an email to all you guys and give you some updates. Um, how did I, I didn't know how to word it mm-hmm. because, you know, you get to know your clients. So you, you want to tell them, but you don't want to tell them because I didn't want to tell anybody Right. And uh, so one of my daughters wrote it and it was very,
1: um, you know,
2: I'm I'm going on medical leave
1: as of like two days from then or something. So there was no detail because that that was really why I asked the questions. Mm-hmm. I know, like you were saying, I, I get to know my clients really personally and they know certain things about me. You know, people who've been seeing me for years, they know I have children. Some people knew me before I was married, knew me before I was a mother. Right. So they've seen me through like big life things. But at the end of the day, they're Clients, right? We're not, we're not besties. You know, we're not in a WhatsApp group, and I'm going to tell you about my life. But exactly. um, there was a couple of years ago where I had a lot of things going on with my own health and one of my kids, and I just felt like I needed to step back a little bit. And so I remember having this issue of like, how do I word this where I'm not stressing people out and making them think like the absolute worst, but also to let them know like I'm not leaving because I want to leave, but right now I'm not good and I need to be better before I can come back and help all of you. Well, a bunch of people
2: responded to that email. It's like, oh no, especially, you know, clients that I had seen like that week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I did explain to quite a lot of them. And then again, I still had to process everything and I, I'm an introvert and I just introverted (laughs) and I didn't, I didn't want to see anybody like, people were like, can I come see you? It's like, nope, nope, I can't. I can't. I couldn't mentally deal with it. And, yeah. And the emotional part of it, too. Um. So it was at the end of the summer that I put it out on social media, like on my Instagram page and my Facebook um,
1: professional page. So wait, the you were diagnosed in June. In June the end and June. so you waited a couple months before mm-hmm. letting other than, you know, very close family yeah. and friends. Yes. Yeah. That's where I feel like, you know, every time we have somebody come on and talk about mm. some sort of trauma or something, you know, big event like this that happened in their life and you always say I would just crawl in a corner. Is this the reaction you'd have where you'd need to have a couple months by yourself not seeing people to process it on your own? Because I think I would. As I'm I don't I never considered myself to be an introverted person. Like when you put those two together, but I think I would need time to figure out my own mental state before other people were around me. I think I would need some alone time. It's crazy. Yeah. So much to think about. Your mortality has just slapped you upside the head. Yeah. That's a lot to take in.
2: And then, you know, between diagnosis and surgery, it was a month, which isn't bad. When I was diagnosed at, at centenary, Rouge Valley, I guess it's called now. Um, She just said, I'm referring you to Sunnybrook because there's nothing we can do for you here. Hmm. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Um, You're not going to like take me in and get this, like cut this out of me now? And she's like, no, you have to go to Sunnybrook. You have to wait for them to call you. So this was a Thursday, and I think they called me on the Monday. Mm. Well,
1: thank God that was quick. But I mean, those must have been like the longest days just waiting because you're in in limbo. It it, it was awful. Um, 30 years
2: ago, my mom had breast cancer, and her wait was three weeks. So 30 years later, my wait is a month. And I had to realize I'm not the only person with cancer. Mm. There's like Mm. all kinds of people lined up for surgery, and they can only do so many surgeries in a day. My surgery was four and a half
1: hours. Yeah. You still thinking over there? Do you think you would need time to yourself? Uh,
0: I don't know if I need time to myself. I just don't like people anyway. so. So it's easy for me to just keep it to myself, but not for any other reason than I just wouldn't care to put it out. I think, I don't even know. I really couldn't tell you. This is just awful. Well, no, with, you, don't until you don't know do yeah. you know. Yeah. Until you don't know
1: how you would deal with it. So for people listening, so they can really fully understand, um, you know, they, they're getting a little bit of a picture. You were working, you had a busy practice, and you had said you'd been practicing in pain. So can you walk us back to, I know you've already kind of told me about this, mm-hmm. but how you decided to go get checked out? Like, What was going on with your body that made you, like, made the alarm bells go off, like something isn't right?
2: Um... I was tired, like exhausted, and I had put on some weight. So this was the February, or it was actually January, but by the time I got my doctor's appointment, it was February, and I honestly thought it was thyroid. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I was 58, and 59 now. It's, you know, menopausal symptoms, and that's the problem with ovarian cancer. They're very, very vague menopausal symptoms.
1: Yeah, I think I said to you, I would have thought the same thing sudden weight gain and fatigue, I would think something's wrong with my thyroid. Right. So nothing
2: came back with my thyroid. And my family doctor's fantastic, and he knows that I don't just go in and see him for nothing. And so then he did a a full hormone panel, and that was as could be expected for a menopausal wound. And so this is like a month and a month, and he gave me some, like he said, to take some iron and see how that helped. And so... Then in May, I woke up one morning and I was bloated, like ridiculously bloated.
0: In the time from January to May, are you are you cool with what's going on? I'm going to see the doctor. We're doing some work. We're f- we're not finding anything. We're making an appointment again. We're checking some other things out. We're not. Find- what what's going on at this time?
2: Well, because I still thought it was like thyroid until right. I woke up bloated. And I'd had a a doctor's appointment scheduled for like a week later or two weeks later. So, you know, I was telling you, I'd eaten sushi a few times and I thought, oh, geez, maybe I have a parasite from sushi. So I'll do a parasite cleanse. And it didn't really do anything. And it's like, okay. So I told the doctor and he goes, well, you might want to do it again, but I don't know. And so he sent me for more blood work and that's when my bloods my red blood cells and my white blood cells were were whacked and i looked at him and i said i go straight to ovarian cancer and he looked at me and he So you thought that before well, he even said you know anything. when You've got all these symptoms
1: and you think the worst, right? Well, I told we, you we know too much. I told you. I <laughs> I was recently diagnosed with endometriosis and before even getting that diagnosis, I went to my doctor and I'm like, I have ovarian cancer. Like literally that's what came out of my mouth mm-hmm. because of the symptoms I was having. And, you know, through all the imaging that we right. determined it wasn't. But yeah, I went worst case scenario right away. I'm like, it's cancer.
2: And the pain that I was experiencing. Was weird pain. It was all over the place. Like mm. it would be a sharp pain here, a dull pain here. It was so. Then I started thinking, you know, is it
1: like that's why I thought it was parasite intestinal. Mm. Yeah, because it's everywhere. Right, you guys at home can't see her, but I mean, she's pointing every <laughs> everywhere. everywhere on her abdomen. It's yeah. not even it's not even local to her ovaries. Like no. it's literally everywhere,
2: everywhere, and so. He said, okay, well, we'll send you for an ultrasound and an x-ray, pelvic ultrasound, abdominal ultrasound, and, and an x-ray, and um, do some more blood work. And he got me on the table, and he was josh- jostling me all around, right? And I said, you know, I've had my appendix out, because they do that for that too, right? Yes. He goes, yeah, but also if you have um, peritonitis. And he said, is that any of that hurting? And I said, no, nope, nothing. So the ultrasound and x-rays came back with nothing. And he said, no, he said, there's something wrong. There's something not right because your blood is like worse than it was before. And so he gave me the package of everything that he had done. And he said, go to the emergency room and give it to the doctor. And they'll probably give you a CT scan. And at this point, we were thinking maybe diverticulitis. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, I went to ovarian cancer first, but that's because we know way too much, right? Yeah, we, we know too many signs and symptoms of everything, and you just kind of go to the worst. So, here is me who wants to go to the emergency, right? So, I'm I go home and Google when's the best time to go to emergency, <laughs> right, with the least amount of wait time, and so it was like seven, like between four and seven in the morning. So, I got my dad to drive me up to the hospital. At like seven, I didn't want to get him up too early, <laughs> and he said, "Do you want me to stay?" And I'm like, "No, no, that's fine. It's like, I'll call you when I'm when I'm done." And uh, so I told the uh, the doctor all my symptoms, and she said, "Yeah, that sounds like diverticulitis." And then when my CT scan scan came back, she went, "Yeah, it's not
1: diverticulitis." Did she tell you in that moment about the tumor? So you knew right there? Yes, yeah, she said I had ovarian cancer. Mm. And uh, you were by yourself I, there, and
2: I, yeah, yeah. And I nodded, and I went, "Yeah, okay." And she said, "Is there anybody with you?" And I said, "No." And she said, "Well, is somebody coming for you?" And I said, "Yeah, my dad will, is coming. I'll just have to call him when I'm done." Mm-hmm. And uh, and of course, I told my dad, "It's like I'm gonna probably be like four or six hours, right? You yeah. have emergency." So I said, "If you need to do your chores, just do your chores." So he went and did his grocery shopping. So of course, when I called him, he wasn't he wasn't home. And then my one daughter called me and said, "What's going on? How, like,
1: oh, because your kids knew that my you my kids were, knew that I, I was going, going. yeah, okay."
2: Yeah. And um, and I just like I, I remember I was just sitting outside in the sun, sitting on the steps outside of the side of emergency at at Centenary, bawling my eyes out, telling Savannah yep I got I have cancer and so my dad came and um and i text messaged my best friend and I said well I called it and she said I'm gonna call you and I said call me in an hour because I have to just get home yeah and uh so my dad picked me up and I got in the car and I just looked at him and started crying and we both cried and he straightened himself up so he could drive home. <laughs> and uh, and then my other daughter, I called her and she left work and came to be with me. And mm-hmm. yeah. So, and Savannah lives in Napanee. So she just like, okay, I'll, I'm coming. So she just drove up.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was diagnosis day. That was in yep. May. Yep. June
2: 22nd. If anything I'm saying, you're like, fuck off.
0: Just tell me fuck off. <laughs> what do you do when you get home
2: from a, the hospital? I'm a zombie.
3: Yeah.
2: Um. It was a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. The house that I bought has a beautiful outside sitting area. And from June 22nd until, I don't know, October, I spent most of my days outside sitting mm-hmm. there. Staring at the sky, reading, doing whatever, right? It was just I didn't want to be inside mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, my kids came, and we cried and and I said, "Give me this weekend to f- figure myself out and cry and and then I won't cry anymore. It's, I've cried a few times since, but <laughs> I feel like that's fair, yeah. Um, but it's like, okay, well let's deal with this then.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. I have to deal with it. So your daughter that lives here, Mm -hmm. I mean, we know her, she's kind of famous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you said she got married, Did she get married after the diagnosis or was she got married the summer before? No,
2: she got married on April
1: 29th. Okay. So she got married before the diagnosis and a week later
2: is when i woke up when i was bloated like she was on her honeymoon when this happened and i didn't really tell them at first because i you know thought it was a parasite yeah and then
1: it's like yeah this is not a parasite so something something bigger is happening (laughs) that's something that concerns me like you said we do know too much we know too many symptoms but there are so many people that don't really have much body awareness don't understand how their bodies work and you know you hear stories sometimes of doctors just wanting to like throw a name on something or whatever. Like, do you, either of you know statistics? Like, is ovarian cancer something that women don't detect early enough? Is Is this a big problem? It's usually detected stage three or four. I was stage two. Wow. Had you not known too much, do you think you might have stopped asking questions and stop going for tests? Or you said you have a great doctor, like your doctor kind of felt like there's something there's going some, on.
2: There's something going on. But the pain that I was in, like at first, I would just have to take a couple of Tylenol before I worked. And, yeah. and by the time of my diagnosis, I was taking two extra strength Tylenol and an extra strength Advil every four hours, just the, to get through was the Was the
1: pain everywhere? Like, back, abdomen, sides, everywhere? Was it local? Like, where were you in pain? Was it whole, your whole body?
2: It was abdomen. And it yep. was, it. W- there was some really deep, deep pain. There was superficial pain. Some of it felt like it was my skin. Some of it felt like there was a couple of times when I felt like I'd been stabbed. Wow. Like I doubled over. I'm like, I can't do that when I'm working, you know? Yeah. And And then it would go. But it was, there was always something that, and there was always sort of this dull
1: background ache of bleh. <laughs> Yeah. And if you're a person who generally feels well most of the time, this yeah. would have been really yeah, shocking. Like, you know, something's going on. Yeah. So, so now you have this diagnosis. You've just opened your home practice again. After you take that weekend to figure yourself out, um, you said it was from that diagnosis date until when, like, when did you see the next person? Like from that emergency room doctor, where did you go next? Sunnybrook? Sunnybrook.
2: Yeah. They called me on the when on the Monday or the Tuesday. And I, I
1: believe I went in that week. It was, it, it was, was quick. quick. It was quick. Yeah. And when you go into Sunnybrook, I can, I mean, this time, did you have somebody with you or did you yes. go to this alone? Yeah, okay. I had my
2: best friend with me. Okay. Um, because she can take a step back. She can take a step back. She can ask questions. She can take the emotion out of it. And I didn't know if my daughters, either one of my daughters could do that. Yeah. Um, because
1: it was still so fresh. Yeah. Yeah. So you go to Sunnybrook and what are they, ta- like, Is are there any definitive answers? Are they giving you choices, options? Like that must've been a loaded appointment with a lot of information coming at you.
2: Um, it was you're having surgery. This is what we're doing. Okay. Um, and we'll know more once we get in and we'll get a surgery date for you. And then you'll be having chemotherapy. It's four to six weeks recovery from, um, from surgery. And at six to eight weeks, they said I would start chemo, but I started at four weeks no? and was that uh, because you recovered quickly or i i have no idea why i guess okay maybe there was room for me okay um at sunnybrook there's a separate building called the odette center and it's it's the cancer center mm-hmm. and yeah so the oncologist surgeon came in told me what she was going to do and asked if i had any questions and she said, just wait and we'll call you with the surgery date. But she said, it'll probably be about a month.
1: And I was, ah. she said, that's what happens. So Then you just have to figure out how to occupy your mind for a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever come up with any strategies? I did a ton of, like I said,
2: staring at the sky. Um, I I was outside a lot. Um, I did some gardening with my dad, my dad, my dad, he's, he's going to be 91 at at the end of February. And he came and cut my grass once a week. Your
1: 91 year old dad is
2: cutting your grass? For the entire, for the entire season, he was helping (laughs) me do the gardening. Well, helping me, he was mostly doing the gardening and asking me what I wanted done. (laughs) Mm Um, you know, I, I went down the Google you know, rabbit hole and came back up again and thought, uh, you know, I, I have to not look at all of this, but
1: I still do, right? You still yeah. kind of have a question
2: and just kind of look at it.
1: And I can't help it. I know better than to ask Dr. Google and I still do it. Mm-hmm. I do it every time something something weird happens. Something weird, yeah.
0: Why are you like it's better to not?
1: Because I'm the type of person, I don't know if everybody's like this or if it's my personality, but I'm the type of person that reads something on Google and I mm-hmm. automatically assume that I have the worst possible diagnosis that Google has come up with. I go to like, yep, that's that's what's happening to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has worked out in our favor before. When our now almost ten year old was three, she had Kawasaki disease, and every doctor I went to um, was saying, "No, Kawasaki's super rare." But I had Googled all of her, her symptoms, and I argued everybody until a pediatric onco- uh, oncologist, pediatric cardiologist, believed me mm-hmm. and confirmed, yes, she does have Kawasaki disease. But that was the only time that my Catastrophic Googling has worked out for us,
2: <laughs> yeah, I just I mean, I googled everything, you know,
1: how do you feel? How are you going to feel? what's chemo like mm. and it's different for everybody, yeah, I was going to say, what would Google have to say about what's chemo like? I can imagine that would be very individual
2: yeah, and i i don't I don't remember if I knew the type of chemo that I was going to have at that point. I think I learned about that after surgery because mm-hmm. I had to go in for my four-week checkup, and and then I started
1: chemo the next week. What was chemotherapy like? Like, what do you do? Do you just go sit there? Is it like a? How does this work? Well, it's so different for
2: everybody. Mine happened to be very long, so um, one of one of the chemos, like it, it was two different kinds of chemo, um, took three and a half hours to drip through and then I had Three then I had another one that took an hour but before that I had to have a steroid um because the first one I I had an allergic reaction to oh so it was like the, my very first chemo they just said okay well if you you know feel flushed or if you have tight chest or your heart's beating or you have pain in your back or you get hives just press this button so I'm sitting there. My daughter's with me. And of course, when they tell you all these things, you're it's running through your head. And I'm, and I'm like, is this happening? Is this happening? Is this, is it, does it feel? And I looked over at Clancy and I said, I think I need to push the button. She goes, oh my God, push the button. Apparently my face had gone so red. She said oh. alarmingly red, not just flushed. It was bright red. And all hell broke loose. They came running. They unhooked the chemo. They gave me the steroid injection they did all kinds of stuff and they said does your back hurt and i said no my back doesn't hurt and as soon as i finished saying that i was like yeah my back hurts it was just just
1: like that so you had a severe reaction to chemo mm.
2: yeah that one and Yikes. then i had to wait in about half an hour so i got there at 8 and that first time i think i got home at 7
1: wow yeah
2: it was a long day and uh then they just did it slower and I didn't have a reaction, but they had to give me the, the, I think there was Benadryl and another steroid in there every time. So um, it was boring. Like I felt fine and got home. And because of the steroid, I was, and they gave me um, anti-nausea pills, which were another steroid to take Saturday and Sunday. So my chemo was on a Friday and they, I had mm-hmm. to take them on Saturday and Sunday. So they kept me awake. I didn't sleep very well. And then mm-hmm. on the Monday, it all kind of went bleh, And I just, I felt so tired. I felt like I was wading through cement. Like I couldn't move yeah. um, very well. It was kind of fluey. I didn't throw up. I felt, I didn't even really feel nauseous. Well, I did feel nauseous, but not enough to take anything more than what they had given me. And um, And each time, it got progressively worse. So one of the chemos uh, gave me peripheral neuropathy, which mm. became worse. So the very last chemo, they didn't even give me that one because it was, I could barely walk the month before for about three or four days, well, three days. I couldn't feel my feet. I didn't know where they were. I couldn't. It was so painful to move. And I got it in my hands, went up to my elbows. And so now when I get tired, it comes knocking. <laughs> oh, no.
1: Yeah. yeah. So you, once you finished the chemo, did you have to do any other type of treatment? Oh, you said now you're on medication. Now
2: I'm on medication. They're called PARP inhibitors. And it um, I have a genetic mutation. So they did do testing for that. And it's a rare genetic mutation. Of course it is. (laughs) And so my dad's being tested because my mom's no longer alive and we want to know which side of the family it it came from. And my daughters are getting tested. And then we'll figure out what side of the family for everybody else. Um, So the genetic mutation that I have, it prevents the DNA strands from repairing themselves. So this one is specifically related to ovarian cancer. Oh. So, yeah, it, it doesn't raise my chances of having breast cancer very much at all. Um, so what the PARP inhibitors will do is they put, I think it's, if I've got this right, the enzyme of the PARP inhibitor stops the cancer cell From replicating. Because cancer will replicate quicker than a regular cell. Mm -hmm. So if it can't replicate, it'll die. So, yeah.
0: During all of this, do you stop caring about stuff? About what stuff? Anything.
2: No. I cared more. Yeah? Yeah.
0: Hmm. I think I would care less. I think I would go numb and just not care about things. That's just how I my mode is, where I just shut down. It's not even anything like this, anything minor shit. (laughs) I I keep telling you, I'm fucking weak, and I just shut down, I don't care about a fucking thing. I don't even, I I care about zero. And I hear this, and I'm like, inside, I'm like, I don't know how you fucking do anything. I would just be sitting around not caring about nothing, including myself.
2: No, I cared more, because... I have kids, Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, I have two brothers, I have cousins, I have good friends, I, you know, I, yeah, no, I, I I mean, I was terrified.
1: I honestly thought I was not going to make it through surgery. Mm -hmm. I thought that was it. Did when you say you thought you weren't going to make it through surgery, was that based on the information that the surgeon, like that, your oncologist was giving you that this was a risky surgery, or did you have a bad feeling? I Were just had just... a bad feeling. Okay. I mean, I didn't have a bad feeling
2: about anybody there. I have had the best care from Sunnybrook. Um, I know our healthcare system is broken. Sunnybrook's pretty top notch, but though. <laughs> you would never know it with the care that I had. Yeah. Um, everybody in the operating room everybody in there introduced themselves to me wow yeah i'm like okay i'm not going to remember <laughs> and they were <laughs> like that's okay you won't see us after this anyway yeah yeah wow um the cleaning staff would introduce themselves as they came in and they would mm. and they were so kind like half of them would ask do you need anything do you want some water do you you know every so you were well taken care of there uh, very well taken care of i there's not a bad about a minute there well uh, other than my emotional minutes but
1: <laughs> i mean other than the fact that you would have much rather be anywhere else the right. fact that you had to be there they t- they did their job they did their job
2: yeah
0: do you ever stop and think to yourself why 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 me why this why now or is that not you to even go that's not that, me yeah?
2: that's not me um it, it was kind of like, okay, you know. It's life. It's life. Uh, wow. Clancy said to me, she said, how is this happening to you? You're the most annoyingly healthy person I know. And my mom had breast cancer and I've been fairly healthy and I've tried everything in my power to do things to mitigate my chances of having breast cancer.
1: And the truth is the last person we had on this couch who had breast cancer is probably the second most annoyingly healthy person in the world. <laughs> but you can do everything right well, that's what and I mean. your your genes say otherwise. Exactly. So I, I mean, I would
0: be sitting around thinking about every fucking person I did shit to in this world. Every relationship I had were I walked away on top, and someone else was under my foot. Every scenario that I thought... I'm get, I'm getting. I'm. I'm getting payback right now.
1: You would think that it's karma. No.
0: I'm just telling you. That's how my mind goes. Like my mind starts to spiral. Like what the heck did? How, did I do something that brings this the this my way somehow? And I would rack my brain for fucking weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, playing back my fucking shitty life about stuff.
2: Well, I you know I was kind of not relieved really but kind of relieved to find out that it was a genetic mutation Mm. because i'm you know you just start to think well you know you know, I dyed my hair for so many years. Was it that? You yes.
1: Know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. exactly what Joyce said. Uh, we had uh, Joyce here. She's a massage therapist and she dealt with breast cancer a few years ago.
0: And Her husband felt guilty.
1: And her husband felt guilty because he's the one that does all of the cooking for the family. So he was like, was I not feeding you healthy enough? Should I have been not giving you this or that or whatever? And she's the one that had to say to him, like, no. Like there was nothing we can do. We are yeah. healthy. We take care of ourselves, and this is life. I understand the compulsion, I guess, by some people to start thinking, "What could I have done differently?" or "What could I?" But it's not helpful. It's not helpful. In the, it's not help. It's not going to get you any further ahead. And that's why I also I understand your attitude of that's life. Like it's happening now, and I completely, completely agree about that feeling of almost relief of knowing like it was a genetic mutation knowing that you didn't there was nothing you could have done right you you did everything yeah. and here you are um i can't say how i would act with a diagnosis like that i have no idea i can't say no. what 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 my mental state would be but i would hope that i'd be able to accept that okay this is life this is what's happening right now and now i just have to figure out how i'm going to proceed right yeah. there I mean you can sit and think and about everything that you've done in your life you can wallow in it you can think why me and all of that I but wallow. none of that is helpful I'm like wallow. none of that is doing anything for you right now yeah. and like you like I have kids and family and but I would just have to be like okay now what do we do and if ultimately you know things weren't gonna turn out so well well, I don't want to spend my last days wallowing either.
2: No, no. And I I guess the the biggest worry right now is both of my kids have a 50-50 chance Mm -hmm. of carrying that genetic mutation. So they've had blood work Mm -hmm. and um, they're waiting because it takes a couple, a few months. Oh, wow. Yeah, it takes a while. I think they did my blood, I don't know if it was in June or July, and I got the results in October. So um but for my girls it will mean that they get better screening yep and if they do have it then they'll have the chance of whenever they want which is they usually say late 40s to have a hysterectomy yeah
1: and that should knowledge is power here yep. like yep. them actually having this information will Definitely decrease their chances of having to go through everything you've had to go through. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Exactly. I mean, you know, half and well not half. About a quarter of my insides have been removed. It was a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. How was the recovery? Um, it was hard. Yeah. It was hard. I have like a ten inch scar down my belly. Does a little veer around my belly button. <laughs> um, there was I think thirty seven staples. And yeah, it's a lot. Um, he, as you know, you use your abs for everything. Mm. Oh yeah. So, you know, anything turning over in bed, you know, it was, it was very, it was hard. Um, the four week recovery, when they told me that I was starting chemo at four weeks, I was terrified because what if I throw up? Like, oh, yeah. right. You don't want to be throwing up when you're feeling like you're gonna rip apart like Mm -hmm, the internal mm -hmm. stitches yeah so there was a lot of um weird sensations as it was healing um i could feel the internal stitches poking at me oh which i didn't even realize was a thing but of course i googled it because it's like why am i feeling this pokey thing Mm. stitches that haven't
1: dissolved yet (laughs) wow (laughs) yeah a little sidebar here though but Human bodies are freaking incredible. They are. They are. Like the fact that you could go through all that. Tr- I was just thinking about when you're talking about the staples, I was thinking back to my younger sister has had nine brain surgeries. She has wow. a gigantic tumor on her optic nerve that is pushing on her frontal lobe and somehow the location of it, they can't fully remove it. So she's had chemotherapy twice. And she's had a bunch of surgeries because she's had cysts grow on top of the tumor, like just thing after thing after thing. And every single time they were like cutting her head open and doing all these things. I remember thinking like... Is there like a, a a number of times that this is safe to do? Like it right. just seems wild to me that she's you know been cut open so many times and had all these staples in her head. And you know you're talking about internal stitches that you can feel poking you, and here you are sitting on my couch telling me this story, and you look like nothing ever happened. Like it's
2: yeah, my mind blowing. My kids came to see me after like it was a four and a half hour surgery, and then I think it was another four hours in recovery. And they went, did you even have surgery?
1: Like, you look fine. I know. I was like almost like hesitant to say when she came in, I'm like, I, I, I really like her with short hair. <laughs> I was like, you look really good. They're like, is that a weird thing to say? Because I know why you've lost your hair, but I ended up saying it anyway.
2: <laughs> and I've spoken to a few people that have had cancer and have had to um, have lost their hair and they looked great, but they were like, no, they've got long hair now. Mm. because it wasn't a choice. right? Um, I've always wanted to have a brush cut, never got up the nerve, really. And in fact, before I was trying to grow out all my dyed hair to get it to be gray, I said to my hairstylist, like, why don't I just grow it like two inches and then you can just chop it all off and have a brush cut and I'll grow it in like that. And she's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, why not?
1: It just suits you so much. I mean, I hope you show her now and be like, look, I should have always looked like this. And quite honestly, I think I'm going to keep it like this for a while, maybe a bit longer, but, uh, you know. I have a weird shaped head. I couldn't do it.
2: Uh, I have no comment
0: on the shape of your head.
1: (laughs) Because he knows. He's the he's the only person who knows how weirdly shaped my head is. <laughs> oh my. So you wanna go back to work? Yeah.
0: Crazy town.
1: How does your I'd be like, feel.
0: fuck it. I'd be like, let me sell all my <laughs> shit. I'm going to buy an RV
1: and I'm just going to go coast to coast. You know? Well, also remember that she said she's getting like CPP and disability. Okay, they don't yeah. give you a lot of money, bro. No, you don't
2: get rich on that. That's no, for sure. She's no, definitely
1: not bringing in some coin right now. No. no. But Good point. But ultimately... If things go the way that you are seeing them going, like mm-hmm. when do you think you could project that you could start working again? Like, are you going to go back in full force? You're going to do more of a part time practice? Um, I'm going to start part
2: time uh, mm-hmm. with the peripheral neuropathy that crops up when I'm tired. Yeah. I have to be careful. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's going to be forever or if that's just a while I'm in recovery kind of mode. Um, so I'm going to, I have to call CPP and figure out how to do this. And, uh, because once you make a certain amount of money, they start clawing it back. Right. Right. Um,
1: so probably March. Oh, wow. Like really soon. Yeah. Yeah. How, aside from the neuropathy, how does your body feel? Do you feel like you've got 100% strength back? Do you no. have your
2: energy? No, I'm at about 85 to 90% of what I was pre all of this, I think. That's, Whether, that's pretty good,
1: though. It's pretty good. In a short period of time.
2: I'm not as strong. I know that. Um, but I have been walking almost every day for between 30 and 60 minutes. Thank God we haven't had
1: real winter. Yep, yeah,
2: but it doesn't matter. Um, I go with my best friend. She's a dog, so... She's so, like, you're out in the bitter we're, cold we're no out. matter what. We're okay. Out. And I've missed, um, since my surgery, I've missed, well, once I could walk, let's put it that way, it took me a while to be able to walk. So, um, more than up to the corner or down to the bottom of the driveway kind of thing. Um, once I could go for a walk with her, I've missed a couple of times when it was like pouring down with rain. Mm-hmm. Just like, no, you just like, walk your dog around your little house.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll stay right here. Stay right here.
2: And then the last two chemos when the peripheral neuropathy was really bad for a couple of days. And then I just said, like I, and I said to her at the beginning, I said, don't let me say no. Like, don't let me get out of this. Drag me by my ear and make me do it because it'll make me feel better. Yeah. So she gave me a couple of free passes and, um, And then I knew I had
1: to go, even though I wasn't feeling good, because it does, it does make me feel better. So you've been building up your stamina by walking. Yes. Are you doing anything else to help get your strength back and get your body ready to treat again? Well, we've been doing yoga after a walk. And by
2: yoga, I mean, I'm just sort of flopping around on the mat, really. (laughs) (laughs) It counts. It counts. (laughs) You have a mat. And yeah, and now we're starting to do some, a little bit of weight training and, um, You know, like she said, she, everybody can use that and it's good to do it with somebody. So you've got Mm. accountability and yeah. And I'm putting that first. So that's my, I mean, we do it in the evening, but, and, um,
1: but it's, and you know, five days a week. Everybody needs a best friend like yours. Does your
0: best friend instinctively know what you need? Yes. You don't have to say, like, hey...
1: I've known her since kindergarten. Yeah. I feel like I could just tell that the way she's been talking about her. That's why I said everybody needs a best friend like yours. 55 years. Wow.
0: Yeah. Can do no wrong your best friend? Yeah. No. Yeah. I,
2: uh, yeah. I mean, she, she's she been fantastic. Yeah. She's... I mean, my family's been fantastic, but she's just been like my dad just says oh she's a gem. <laughs> <laughs> she's yeah, she's cooked for me. Mm. She'll she'll do anything for me. She came to half of my chemo treatments, mm-hmm. my medical appointments. I have a mammogram to go to next or this Friday. Oh, she's taking me to cuz that's a little bit of right. that yeah, I yeah, have anxiety yeah. about. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Everybody needs yeah. a friend yeah. like that because this is how I think You know, for you having her around, like you said, she's able to, not that she doesn't care as much as your family does, but it's something about having a a person to lean on that isn't also a dependent. I mean, not that your dad's a dependent, but your dad's 90, so me, you know, like these people are all depending on you. She's not depending on you. She's letting you lean on her. Yes. And not again, not that your daughters wouldn't, but I think it's a really, a different situation because they're always used to leaning on you, right? You're the, you're the strong one. And it's hard
2: for me to lean on them.
1: Yeah. Right. Um, Oh yeah. Mom would never do that. Right. I'm, I'm, I am, I have learned
2: because I've had no choice, but, but it's hard. And you know, my dad shouldn't, nobody at 90 years old should have to go see their kid go through this. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm glad that you have this gem around to help you. <laughs> cause I'm sure it's also helped keep you like mentally focused and, you know, helped with some of that, the mental health stuff that you'd be going through, like just having I think it has. a person there. Yeah. I think
2: it has. It's, um, you know, I haven't been very social at all. Um, I've had to be extremely careful cause my immune system tanked. Yeah. And so I, you know, I would go grocery shopping and that was about it. So,
1: you know, she was my social life. She has been my social life. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, actually, we were supposed to record this last week. And I told him Mark woke up sniffly and sneezy. And yeah. he was like, he said, Allison just finished yeah. treatments. Like. We can't even I, risk having her I, in our I, office. No, I had no, right. two
0: days here, and then kind of when I got home, I got home late from doing a bunch of stuff, and I really just felt really kind of run down. And the next morning, I woke up. I'm like, I kind of feel like I'm not well right now. I mean, let's let's not do this. Yeah, sure. no, I yeah.
1: appreciate that. I mean, thankfully, yeah. it turned into nothing. But for a couple of days, he yeah. was yeah. he was like, mm, Okay, let's not do that. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Are you different at all? Do you feel different at all? Do you like? The way you think, the way you operate.
2: Yes. How I so? Do. How how, so? how are you different? It sounds kind of like everybody says, like some things just it some things just don't matter anymore. Yeah. Like you know, the important things matter. Yeah, yeah. But the unimportant things are like, you know I hear
3: you. You just
2: put it away because it's not when you I mean you know, I could get hit by a truck tomorrow. Knock on wood, no, but I don't know how long I have.
0: So right? what, what matters to you now,
2: differently? Relationships. Yeah? Yeah. Just making sure that they're strong. Yeah. I had that thought the other day. Because I do a lot of shit for work.
0: And I don't know why I had this stupid thought. I thought, on my way home, if something happened to me tonight, it would really fucking suck. And I was like, all this work stuff that I do, none of it even matters. And I throw so much fucking energy into it. And the one thing that probably would matter me the most is like my family, and my kids. And I see them less because I'm doing all this fucking work shit. Right. And it kind of hit me like this was just a couple days ago. And I'm like, I really got to fucking make a change on that. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, work-life balance. I mean, I was working, you know, quite a bit and doing stuff for other people Mm -hmm. and not doing so much for me as I could have. Yeah,
0: especially, I mean, with the type of work that I do or you guys do Mm. as therapists, I mean, I'm not running a fucking country. It's not like people depend on, you know, the decisions that I make about stuff. It's not that I'm looking to leave this big, massive mark on this massage therapy industry. I couldn't give a shit if I pulled all my content down and disappeared from the massage world tomorrow so i'm like why do i fucking do this like it it really it really kind of made me think about stuff a couple days ago it was a really strange drive home (laughs) 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 it was a really really strange drive home
1: and this time it wasn't me in your ear saying you need to be well, it's different are. when you do it, right? Because <laughs> when
0: you do it, that also goes along with, you know, you forgot to take the
3: garbage out, <laughs> you
0: know what I mean? But when I, it, it like, when I do it, it feels like, oh man, something, something big just happened in my head, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, it does give you a different outlook because now it's like, I'm going to do stuff for me, I'm going to do things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, and you know, being a mom is part of that, you just put yourself Last.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I, you know, have put myself first. Did any of this
0: show true colors of friends, family, acquaintances? You place them in a certain pecking order. Right. And then this comes along and you realize, hmm, well,
1: maybe you know, I ranked you You know where Bestie is. Maybe because... <laughs> I ranked through did,
0: did that ever happen?
1: No.
3: Yeah.
2: I... It's been staggering. people have come out of the woodwork, yeah <laughs> um friends and some clients that know, and relatives they're just they're right there mm. and it, it's it has been staggering i'm just I've been blown away, wow.
1: Well, that yeah. means you were doing something right even before this. When it comes to your <laughs> relationships, obviously you have a lot of people who care about your well-being, care about your quality of life. Mm-hmm. So you were doing it right before. Yeah. <laughs> even before you knew that even, that was a priority.
0: Because <laughs> I imagine, you know, it puts a strain on relationships and you really get to see where people, where people prioritize you and... Where you are in their life, and therefore where you put them in your life. That type of thing. And
2: my family kind of rallied around me, and um, I couldn't be by myself right from surgery. I couldn't lift anything more than five pounds. So I can lift a tea bag, but I can't lift a kettle. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It was nuts.
0: It's a horrible combination. Right. That's like being lazy and hungry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So the first week, I can't even remember how it worked out. I think my oldest daughter stayed with me the first week and she worked from home. And, uh, so that, that worked out well. And then my uh, other daughter stayed with me and, or maybe my brother, I can't remember the order, but my brother and sister-in-law stayed with me Mm -hmm. and, you know, they wouldn't let me do anything. And as I was starting to feel better, it's like, I have to do something like, you Mm -hmm. know, I, you know, get up out of the chair and it's like, Oh no, we'll get you that glass of water. It's like, no, I need to get up out of the chair. Let let me go get my own water. I need to move. (laughs) Right. Like sitting around, lying around, it was fine for, well, it wasn't fine, but it was okay for, you know, a week or two. I was in hospital for five days. So, um, but after that, it's like, I need to rest. I know that I'm not going to overdo it, but I do need to get up and I'll just, walk the length of the house and back and you know or walk around the garden and something yeah yeah just but everybody was you know I didn't have to cook I didn't have to clean I didn't have to do anything and I just felt awful about it <laughs> moms <laughs> moms, <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: my oldest child does that to me a lot lately I'll ask her to do something or tell her to do something. And she goes, oh, moms. Moms. <laughs> yeah. like Yeah. Moms. Yeah. So these days you're feeling pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And then they go back to work part-time. Are you going to make an announcement to all of your clients? Are you going to take a select few back? Like, how's this going to look for you? Because you won't really, be able to handle the, the patient load you had before.
2: No. And I'm thinking I would start off for a week or two with just one client a day to see how I'm doing with mm. it. and then, yeah, And then work to up to two and pick the times. Like, I could do somebody in the morning. I could see somebody in the afternoon or evening. And just kind of pick those times. Yeah. So... I don't. I haven't really thought that one out because I immediately put on my website I'm closed for medical leave, mm-hmm. but I won't be taking new patients because right now I I can't.
1: No, I you can't. can't do that. There's no. zero chance that you can take a new person and like follow through with the treatment plan. It needs to yeah. be the people that know you and will be okay with. And there's some people
2: that probably won't come back. I've been like not working since June, so they may have found somebody else and and. Yeah they're going to stay with them and that's perfectly fine and understandable. Yeah. So, so
0: you're excited to start back.
2: I am. Yeah. I'm, it's, it, you know, I, I, I want to use my brain again. Mm. I mean, waiting through the CPP papers, like I, the, I, <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: you know, and again, here's my friend who's like, you know, she's, <laughs> she did it all. Right. Yeah. And she sat down with me and did it. And I'm like, I guess I could have done it, but it feels really bizarre that it confuses me so much when it never would have, mm-hmm. you know, the brain fog with chemo is incredible. Yeah. It just, you try and can't concentrate, can't think of words sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the a good thing you're a massage therapist. Like you don't really have to, have to talk.
1: <laughs> <joy>.
2: <laughs> but yeah, so I'm, you know, hoping to do that. I'll, I guess I, I'll maybe reach out to the people, maybe that
1: reached out. To me to start with and yeah, and see what's going on. Some of them may feel, Mark has brought this up on other episodes. Some of them might feel guilty, if that's the right word, getting treatment from you because they'll still feel like, oh, well, you know. I hope you, she's okay. Hope she's okay. Mm-hmm. But I mean, hopefully there are people who will see that this is, this is going to be good for you. Yeah. I think getting back to some normalcy is going to be really good for you. Yeah. And like I said I mean you look great. You don't look like anything happened. So <laughs> if you can get back in even part time, I think that'll be yeah, fantastic. And for I you.
2: was working um very part time at a clinic just around the corner, so you know, I can go back there as well part mm-hmm. part time. So,
1: we'll see. Well, we'll watch out for the announcement. <laughs> <laughs> like I said at the beginning, I'm just really happy you wanted to come in and talk with us about this because I know for some people it'd be a little bit too difficult to talk about but I think it's good for therapists to hear about Absolutely. these experiences 100%. too and yeah. and because it is so different for everybody right so I mean everybody knows somebody who's had cancer like everybody and I know and I think just hearing more outsiders' experiences too can be really helpful. And like I said, for those of you who are interested in the oncology massage episode we did or interested in the training, I you know, I think this is good information for you to hear. Understand what people are going through mentally, physically, emotionally. Yes. And I'd love
2: to do the training. I I don't think I can do it just right this time, but I Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask
0: does this make you want to change your practice in any way and and have a focus in that in that field at all? Um, or you like fuck that.
2: No, but I mean I'm certainly open to it. I've treated um quite a few people that have had um breast cancer, right. mastectomies, lumpectomies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um have enjoyed that experience helping them to, you know. But me, I've had one massage and it was half an hour I didn't want anybody touching me. Right. It's like that's it. Yeah. Right? I'm I'm going to physio and getting some acupuncture on my scar. And because uh, my scar is, it's just really messed up my posture. In fact, I like shift over to the right now. Fascia. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. I just kind of, oh, look at that. And then, you know, I touch my scar and then I come back to center. <laughs> it's, it's
3: wild. Yeah, like it's I said, the human body is yeah.
2: just fascinating. So I tape it sometimes. Nice. Nice and then, oh, that's good. and then it brings me back to center because mm-hmm. it's it is bizarre how it's mm-hmm. it sh- it shifted me. So, um I I wonder if it's I don't want to say too late cuz, you know, but I don't I'm very open to treating people recovering from cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Um and having gone through it sort of know that emotional mental component. Um I don't know if I want to, I don't want to change my practice because I have clients that right. will still come, well, that would want to come to me. So I'm not going to say no to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to take the, uh, the oncology.
0: Yeah, there's some good courses.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, this was, it was really nice just to have you back in here. It's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Yeah. And before... Uh, before you actually got diagnosed, I know I had been pestering you too. Like, when are you <laughs> coming back? When are you going to come do videos? And then, you know, suddenly I see on my Facebook that you're, you know, getting chemotherapy. I'm like, I'm going to leave her alone. <laughs> Stop being annoying. Stop being- <laughs> <laughs> Such a pest. She no. looked at and she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of people did Swipe, that. Delete.
2: <laughs> a lot of people did that. They were just like, whoa, you know, Mm. And, but thankful that I had opened up a couple of months later because, you know, a lot of people were wondering. Yeah. And they're like, okay, well,
0: <laughs> right on. Yeah. This was interesting. Thank you for coming in. This was good.
2: Thanks for having me. It's always nice to see you guys.
0: Absolutely. You guys have been listening to two massage therapists at a microphone. Peace.